Hi crew and welcome back to the Wheelcast. It is your host here, James Rankin. This week I sit down with Dr. Cara Miller. Cara is a leadership expert, developmental coach, and she's uh, one of the most passionate, fascinating people I think I've ever had the pleasure to sit down and talk to. In this episode, we talk through what makes a great leader and what separates the good from the best. Really, really, really enjoyable episode for me this week, crew. As always, if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow on your chosen podcast platform. And if you enjoy this one, team, share it with a friend and or on social media. Catch you next time. Ara, what are you obsessing over right now? What gets you excited? Uh, leaders reclaiming the reason for leading. <laughs> Their own reasons for leading and the reason why we need leaders out there. I'm obsessing over that. I'm getting a lot of it. I'm getting a heavy dose of it in all of my conversations and I'm obsessing over it. Wow. So th- there's two things I'd love to, to pick on there. Um, one, why do we need leaders? And then two, is there like a like a general theme that you see leaders coming to you with looking to reclaim this particular aspect or is it varying across, across domains? So why we need leaders, <laughs> um, that one's sort of tribal, right? In its beginnings. Yeah. Um, when humans get together to, you know, civilize and to do work together, it's very helpful to have somebody who is willing to connect, you know, the different functions or coordinate the different efforts, distribute the work and to set a vision um, for how we're going to measure whether we've been successful at what we intended to do or not. Um, While that's very primal um, in its current expression in the world, I think we're adding a word to why do we need good leaders now rather than why do we need leaders? So, um, and the word leader has gotten diluted in popular culture and, you know, in popular books and thinking. And so what we determine is a good leader um, or is good leadership is of most importance now. So what kind of leaders do we need? Um, what, what are the effects or impact of good leaders? Um, maybe we measure, we measure their goodness or their effectiveness by their impact yeah. rather than by you know some sort of lofty predetermined set of competencies that you know have been developed usually by large consulting firms that assess (laughs) for those things and then um and then you know report those measurements but um we know a good leader when we follow one yeah and that's a that's the most difficult way to start a definition is i know it when i see it or i know it when i feel it yeah. But, um, but part of my job is helping people to go look for their impact 
and then determine whether they are a good leader accordingly. And so I think the best expert on whether someone is a good leader or not, or whether their impact is good and effective or not is the leader themselves. And so how do you decide it's my job to figure out whether I'm a good leader right now or whether I'm having impact that's good in the system that I'm in. And that's, that's a radical turn of events rather than saying something more marketplace friendly like, we'll do a 360 assessment and then you'll get this anonymous answer against these 14 competencies about whether people think you're a good leader or not. Yeah. Um, or the fully other technical version, which is, did you raise assets under management by 40% year over year or some version of that yeah. that determines your effectiveness or whether you're a good leader or not. Um, I think the call right now is for leaders to take a look at their own leadership and say, is my impact good? Is it for the good? Are people experiencing it as good? And, um, and it's my job to seek that. Wow. So with that, then, with the people you work with, are you finding that they, when they have this reflection and they have a look, is mm -hmm. there a trend of them going, they all kind of go, ah, this is, this is what I'm missing. This is my area that I've been neglecting and I really need to work on that. Or is it very, very different? So that very question feels unfamiliar to most leaders. What's the impact of my leadership? What's the effect of me leading in this system? That question is so unfamiliar that they often need help developing the practice of asking it. Wow. <laughs> and so you're right. It's, it's pushing into your blind spot. It's listening into the, your shadow and I think we talked about this in our conversations previously that the people around us, especially the ones that are being led by us or are reporting to us, are invited into the conspiracy to kind of keep us away from seeing the shadow or seeing you know, the gaps in our impact and the parts of our leadership that are less good. And, um, and so because they are involved in the same conspiracy that we set up for ourselves at not seeing those things, um, it's, it's two steps of invitation. One is to take responsibility for the very unfamiliar question, what is my impact and is it good? And then helping others to become familiar with answering the question and being familiar with the question, what is my leadership impact? And is it, do you experience it as good? Yeah. Um, both of those pieces of leadership, either taking responsibility for finding out what your impact is and improving it or inviting others to um, become comfortable and safe in telling you what your impact is and how to make it better. Um, those are leadership um, skills that most leaders have never been trained in. In fact, most leaders are completely socialized against asking this question yeah. or against off making this offer or, um, and so are the people who they lead. They're yeah. totally socialized against <laughs> um, 
you know, answering this question with honesty. Um, so it's a bad setup. And I think yeah. the leaders that I know are, are just facing the discomfort and the um, unfamiliar practice of going after what's my impact and is it good and come and help me. Wow. So if you're, say, as a leader, how do I develop a culture of having the people around me be like, hey, James, you keep doing this thing. You need to, you need to cut this shit out. You're the, you're the bottleneck on this. You're holding everyone back. We can't go forward until this happens. That's a hard thing to say to someone, especially if, oh, yes. if they're the boss. Yes. So if it's my business, how do I get people to come to me and say that? Um, so you can't. <laughs> um, a bad answer to your question. Uh, the worst answer. You cannot get people to do that themselves. They will not do it. Um, I don't. I don't know a culture where people will just do that. Um, you. So your earliest question was, how do I develop a culture where this happens? Um, that you can do. So, um, if you, um, first of all, go first, right? So if you talk to the people around you about how you are trying to understand your impact, how you are trying to assess yourself, um, sometimes this gets categorized too sweetly as like vulnerability, and so nobody likes a leader who is sort of schmarmy about this, like, um, like really, like really maudlin kind of like, I know I have weaknesses and, you know, I got to develop those and I know what they are. So I know, I know, and I'm sorry, you know, this is how I am. I'm, I, I'm working on it or something that no, everyone reads that as bullshit. Yeah. No, this is something entirely different, which is. Hi, it's Kara. I'm a manager. I am like in pursuit of how I impact others as a leader, how I use my role, how I use the authority that's been entrusted to me and whether I'm, I'm doing that well or to some sort of good. Um, and I can, I'm, I'm becoming more and more familiar with self-identifying those things so that after a meeting, I can say to someone who works with me or for me, um, I saw myself, I saw myself get caught up. Um, I watched that and, um, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering about that. I'm trying to get that figured out. Like, what was it that set me back or what was it that caused me to respond that way? Um, so the first step is you actually, you know, demonstrating a normal and customary active pursuit that's your own leader culture. So that when anyone experiences you as a leader, they experience this kind of um, constant like pursuit and assessment and, um, and it's not self punishment um, because then it gets, it gets strange. It gets yeah. like an invitation for others to somehow affirm you like, no, no, no. Like it wasn't that bad. Like you're not, you're so great in so many areas. Everyone has weaknesses, like not, you know, we, we, we want to avoid that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but rather make it normal and customary to just be intensely curious about your own leadership and your, and impact. Now 
that's your own leader culture and how yeah. you become transparent about that over time will take a little, it'll take some practice. It'll take some language. It'll um, take some testing for you, experimenting with how it sounds to hear yourself talk like that to others. Yeah. Um, then <laughs> once that's become normal and customary, inviting people to feedback on that or to join you in that is has so much more ease yeah. because they've already seen you do it at very low risk, very low cost. Um, and you've never had to put down your authority or get out of your role or become too you know, emotionally weird or dependent or needy or any of that. So they know, actually, you've got a clean um, game going around how do I get better as a leader? And they know that if they get invited, they can join it. And, and they're, they're joining not a weird, manipulative, you know, strange sort of needy pursuit. Yeah. They're actually joining this nice, clean, curious, you know, improvement-oriented practice. Um, and so only after they've maybe had a hunch you were doing it, then heard you become transparent and talking openly about how you're doing it, and then being invited to it and having it be a good experience, will they ever, ever attempt it. to do it themselves or with each other? Um, so there's, it's a, it's, there's a bunch of responsibility first. So, but you're right. The temptation is okay. Tomorrow, everyone in here, this is what's happening, right? <laughs> Everybody's going to start feeding back on each other and everyone's going to know their shadow because by three o'clock, I'm going to have seen it three times and called you on it. So ready, let's do this. Like wow. <laughs> put, put ego away. Like so I just, I don't think like the Stoics or anybody that we, you know, are starting to hold up in higher regard nowadays in leadership, I don't think they ever would have intended for those things to occur. They would no. have said, get your own damn house in order and then host other people there before you ever <laughs> point to the dust or the dirty dishes in somebody else's leadership kitchen. That's a great, that's a great analogy for it. Yeah. Put your own stuff in order first. So I'm thinking about me and, and, and my journey and this sort of stuff. And so I probably started, I'm lucky and I, I have a boss and a manager who mm -hmm. both constantly ask for feedback and give me feedback, whether I want it or not, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but prior to that, I probably started doing it then just journaling, like literally sitting down in my journal at nighttime. Yes. And I always find it weird because I, I was never writing in my journal going, today I had a lovely day and I held Jill's hand and it was nice. It was always, I had this conversation, their face said this, their body language said this, and they actually said this, but I think this is what happened. And there was the reflection on that. and that kind of grew and developed where I, I've had recently more conversations of in the middle of it stopping and going, I can see this. <laughs> I feel like what I've said and what you're hearing aren't the same thing. Yes. And that's probably been a big leap for me since we probably since we last spoke, being able to recognize that more and more and more. It actually happened. We, <laughs> we go for a walk, myself and my partner every evening yes. with, uh, with the baby. And on our walk this evening, I said something to her and she was like, 
is that what you meant? And she's able to call me on it instantly. And yes. I'm like, and I just have to pause it. No, I, I'm sorry. That is not what I meant whatsoever. Yeah. And that's the easiest place I find it, it starts is probably with a partner, someone who you who you really love and can really trust. Yes. Um, I would completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason that my company is called Inquiry Partners is because those two words have so much import of so much value to me. So the practice of inquiry um, as close to the moment as possible um, and the concept of having a partner to do it with um, who is capable and compassionate, but yet dealing in full truth is so incredibly important. So I feel like that's my highest offering to someone is to be an, a sturdy um, inquiry partner and it's the thing I value most in any friendship or colleagueship that I have. Um, and I hear two things in your example. So th I thank you for giving the example of, of the walk tonight because um, you're right. I think it, it is applicable in a personal relationship. It's also applicable in a work colleague relationship or in a client vendor relationship. Um, and also in a parenting relationship. So I'm a parent and I know you've become one since we talked last and um, that that's a very high, <laughs> like high <laughs> call. Um, and, and so the two things that I heard in your story are um, you being asked, being able to ask as close to the moment as possible, wait, what is true here? So like I've read their body language, I've um, heard their words, I have my assumptions about my past experience of them. I have my predictions from my earliest, you know, experience of life or conflict or family or conversations like this. Um, but given all of that data that I have in order to filter this moment, what is actually true? And when you ask that question, and clear out the noise, things become quieter so that you can then decide either I'm gonna check in to find out what's true, right? Because Jill did that, or I'm going to consult somehow to the moment with what I feel is true. Yeah. And so you either seek the consultation of someone else, like pause, consult to me, like just in the moment, what is true? Help me find what's true or full stop. Um, may I consult to the moment and offer what I feel is, is true because it's feeling noisy in here. Yeah. So how do we be, become quiet so that we can actually find what's true and what's, that's how we deal in reality. Yes. Um, we so many times a day, deal in a very muddy version of assumptions and conclusions and you know what I mean and you know all that kind of stuff that to have a few moments in the day with someone dependable where you're actually seeking to deal with reality and what's true are such treasures um and yeah. that's the you know I think that's what I hear and what you're offering yeah, yeah. Um, that's so valuable that's that's a hundred percent it Wow, I really admire it. I really it, admire it. it's very courageous to quiet the noise and actually attend to what's what's in front yeah. of you in the here and now, what's true. Most people spend all day, every day, year over year of swimming their life, through it. Swimming through. Yes. Well, I 
even better. So I have it with Jill, which is fantastic. It's hard, but it's fantastic. Um, Congratulations. But we actually have it in work, right? We, with my colleagues, so we do kind of like Logan's gym. We do coach prep every week um, on a Thursday. So it was today. And we have a running joke. And I laughed while you were talking there because you did this. You did this T-shape, the pause. Yeah. And, and now I know where I got it from. And it's from our conversation last time. So during coach prep, when we're practicing, I say pause. I do this. Yes. In the middle. Of, so I'm doing the thing and we're practicing <laughs> communication, whatever it is. Pause. Yes. And it was a running joke for a while, but now the, the four of us do it. It's fucking great. <laughs> yes. So just in the middle of the thing, we're able to go. I feel like I'm trying to say this, but it's not really happening. And we have this dialogue then between three coaches and the boss who, who takes us through coach prep. And this happens every week. And it's unreal. Oh and it's, it's like us practicing to do yeah. the thing yes. that we only do for like each of us only coaches for four hours a day tops. But we're practicing this thing once a week, every week. And we're able to, to go from in the moment to whoa, 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 whoa. There's too much shit going on here. Yes. How can I refine this? How can I make it better? And it's, I, I didn't recognize just how valuable that was until you articulated that way just then. I, it is <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Fucking deadly. I mean, what is true is sort of the most powerful question you could, could ask in any moment. Yeah. Um, it will bring you so close to what matters for the moment. Yeah. Um, that, that the practice of that question um, is, I mean, very, very powerful in my life. And, um, and one of the most powerful, I think we can offer leaders. Amazing. Yes, true. <laughs> wow. I love, when you, I love to watch it when you like. Yeah, it's just all oh, the frogs like, are ticking here, aren't they? <laughs> and you just like create like the connections in real yeah, time. You, you can see, it, yeah, like, you can like, see like, oh. I see you doing oh. it. I see you doing it. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Let's, uh, let's divert a little bit from that because okay. I'll just get bogged down on, on me if we keep doing that. Um, we were kind of talking beforehand. Uh, you haven't done a podcast in a while. Mm -hmm. um, because you're, you're busy and whatnot and you said it was very deliberate which I find really interesting because um, I, I always find it interesting how people choose to direct their energy so I know for me now like being, being a dad to a five-month-old like mm -hmm. if someone texts me saying do you want to go for a pint on Friday I, yes. I'm like unless I haven't seen you and unless I really really want it it just isn't it's not a thing anymore and it's the same as like I don't train at the weekend. Like I don't, I don't go to the gym at the weekend because it's time away. Like it's it, it suddenly become so much more important for me to do things all the time or not at all. Yes. So how do you, you can go personal or professional with it. How do you choose to decide where does your, your energy go? This became very clear during the pandemic yeah. because the amount of leaders needing help to reorient to the leadership situation they were facing because it completely changed, right? Like this is not what I signed up for kind of a thing. The number of leaders requiring that kind of inquiry partnership um, went up. And so um, former clients, new clients, um, you know, people who used to be my colleagues, whatever, all coming back to, um, you know, 
the partnerships or the conversations that they feel like would help them to like do this reorientation um, to their work, their leadership, their life, their commitments, all of that. Um, because the amount of leaders needing that increased, um, my responsiveness to them, like there was an opportunity for that to increase and I made the decision to do that. Um, what I very quickly discovered, which I know in theory, but, um, but became like real to me in, in my physical body was how much energy is required when you are a companion to someone who is in real distress. And so um, the pandemic created real distress in leaders, in people who are responsible for large systems of work, cause leadership, um, and, and that those systems experienced such uh, strain that the leaders understandably manifested all of that strain and were responsible for trying to organize it, resolve it, lead it forward. Um, so I underestimated how, um, how much energy was required to be a companion to leaders who are under that amount of strain and stress. Um, to boot, the conversations around racial injustice in America um, reached fever pitch. Yes, and so you had better believe that people who led large systems, especially in America, but all over, all over the yeah. world, anybody who was connected to us, um, experienced a different sort, a different quality of strain and reorientation and reflection about how their systems operate, how, um, people are represented within those systems, how people are protected or provided for inside of those systems. And that, um, that those issues of racial injustice, of social equity, um, that those caused a lot of difficulties for system level leaders. And I underestimated, again, you know, how much energy would be required to be a companion to those leaders, especially the ones up in really large systems. Yeah. Um, and then in, in addition to that, like as a result of those two major things, um, leaders were really struggling with their own mental wellness, their own spiritual well-being, their own... Um, vocation as a leader, right? Like, what am I called to do as a leader? Why am I leading? And, um, and that that's very disruptive to someone who, let's say, is the CEO of a large mid to large size organization, 500 to 1500 people, let's say. Yeah. Um, and, and then fully coming to the appreciation that the people in their system were also facing some real challenges to their mental well-being and their spiritual wholeness, their sense of spiritual health. Um, many of my client systems experienced suicide. Um, and I mean, even two of those systems experienced multiple suicides. Wow. And so, you know, my early training after university was in, in divinity school was in seminary. And so I'm actually like trained to be a chaplain. And 
to sit with people through grief and um, loss and um, but that when I graduated from seminary with a divinity degree, I moved on into the academic PhD program and then moved on into, you know, teaching and consulting. And so I found myself pulling my chaplaincy books back off the shelves during these conversations or in preparation for these conversations, um, about grief and what happens when, um, something, a loss like this occurs in your system that you're responsible for, um, in the midst of racial injustice and reckoning and, um, you know, people working from home and dealing with a lease for, you know, that you have, you know, on the 15th floor of a building in Chicago where nobody is going there anymore. I mean, it's yeah. like, so you can imagine like these, this crop of leaders um, required so much energy and companionship, which was my privilege and actually called out all of my expertise that I've possibly yeah. ever attempted to train <laughs> for. And that I became very weary um, and realized that, um, that I could only hold so many of those sort of leader, universes yeah. or leader systems um and that it was it was a precious and sort of sacred um dark and quiet time of being a a coach and a consultant a chaplain and a companion an inquiry partner to the leaders of those systems and that that was my best and highest contribution okay. during these past couple years um and it made um writing articles and, you know, podcasting and, you know, other kinds of things, um, it subordinated them, um, to this sort of push. And, yeah. um, and so I just to be totally transparent, like I feel tired, you know, I feel, mm -hmm. I feel tired and a bit slow, um, you know, from, from this period of time. And I think my family would probably say the same thing. My, <laughs> my partner would probably say the same thing, which is, yeah. um, you've been carrying a lot for, you know, for a lot of people. Um, and while you've been fully utilized, you've been at your, your highest utilization yeah. now, um, which feels wonderful and satisfying. Um, there, there's weariness that results yeah. from, from doing that. So now recovering, you know, planning and designing my recovery from that, um, and then how to capture the learnings from that and, and apply them because I've, I've been changed um, by having this deeper experience of, of spiritual development, of you know, health and wellness and of leadership conversations that have just really dropped down. I mean, even in my voice, yeah. like I feel like I sound like Elizabeth Holmes all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I yeah, but, voice, like get low and serious, right? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Like that's, yeah. that's going to have a massive, it kind of sounds like you were, yeah, the way you described it there, it's like you, you, you found an area where you could just go all in and be a fucking savage and just help people the best way that you can help. But I'm thinking for me, like if I was to do that, for 18 months to two years, I'd be yeah. fucked. Yeah. Yes. I think parts of, parts of me feel that way. Yeah. Um, and that acknowledging that, um, you know, there's some like transitions, like 
of your view of yourself when you do choose to do something like this. Yeah. I mean, this is, people do this for the creative process. People do this for a family member, maybe that needs care. Um, you know, people do this when they have a child, you know, sort of like go dark or sort of like go quiet for a while to like shore up and hold, hold steady. There are lots of reasons, you know, precious and difficult and yeah. all, you know, all of that. Um, and, and yes, I think when you, when you do do that, you come up against sort of the, well, like, well, are people seeing what I'm doing? You know, like yeah. do people still experience me as like a competent professional? Do I still have a, a voice or a like contribution? And um, when my Instagram has gone quiet or my, you know, I don't Super have- Super quiet, podcast, just saying. So, or, yeah, <laughs> I know. And so what are those trade-offs, you know, yeah. and how, and who, who need, who would care to understand, you know, what that is or what yeah. the journey is. Right. Um, and so, yes, I think I've been making decisions about that, you know, in the last couple of years and, um, and experiencing the consequences of that too. And, um, yeah, of course, as have leaders that, um, you know, that I've been partnered with and, you know, many of them have revisited their CVs. Many of them have reoriented to why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, what I want to be doing and the decisions that are going to be required and the losses I might sustain in order to transition, take responsibility and reauthor um, how I go forward. And that would be, I would say that'd be the theme of my work, um, you know, in the past couple of years has yeah. been, you know, walking with people who are making the decision to reauthor how they lead. Wow. So yeah. It's super rosy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the the honest conversations are the best one regardless of the tone this is around. Real. This is yeah, real. Yeah, this like, is like, know what's true? This, this is, is true. What is true? Yes. 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 That's the name of the podcast already. I've decided it's, it's written at the top of the page. Here. Um, so with that then, how, I, I feel like I still know people who through the pandemic kind of resisted mm -hmm. that pull and maybe now I feel like they've not missed the boat, but yes. yeah, kind of missed the boat. Yeah. What's the best way for someone to, to get going from there then? Mm -hmm. Like they've seen, they're like, they spent two years of working at home. A lot of places now in, in Ireland are doing like one or two days back in the office. Okay, yeah, and pe people are going, I don't fucking like it. No. I don't want to travel 30 minutes to work. I nope. don't want to be with these people and I don't work, want to work on this thing. Yes. How can they, what's the way to go now? So <laughs> the most radical answer to this question is why am I not choosing to be who I want to be? That's, I mean, it's really, it's a really gnarly question. Um, and the answers are even wickeder, you know, like there, that's not a word wickeder, but they're even more wicked. <laughs> um, and so the quickest way 
to get after this or to write that ship or address that dissatisfaction is to tell someone um, I am not, I am actively not being who I want to be. I am actively not doing what I want to be doing. So I am actively not about <laughs> what I say I'm about. Yeah. Um, and then shutting up full stop time out the whole thing just because reasons will flood in. Yep excuses will flood in and depending on who you tell this to um they will join in and collude with you to give you the reasons why not and you know justify this thing you know yeah. six ways to sunday so you have got to have somebody who will sit in that question with you because it's a super shitty question yeah. and say okay let's sit here in this you are not being who you want to be you are not doing what you want to do and you are not about what you say you are about. So what the fuck? That does not go on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit. I am not who I want to be. Yeah, no way. Gee, that would be a hard question to sit down with someone with, wouldn't it? Yes. You need a and good friend. That, you need someone. Yes. You really trust. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes... Um, it's a stranger. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, somebody you're sitting next to on an airplane. Um, and I would challenge people. I have experimented with this for the last few years. I had a writing coach who um, had me experiment some with this, which is tell someone, tell a stranger the truth. This is, this was not her. This is my version of it. Yeah. Um, my version, my version is the next time I'm on an airplane or in line in an office or um, at a function that I'm not really like in any role there or something. Yeah. Um, and someone says, well, you know, so how do you spend your time? Or, you know, what are you about? Or who, who are you? Or what do you do? Or whatever their, yeah. you know, probably inane question is, is to challenge myself to actually tell the truth to this stranger, which is, um, I'm not really satisfied with where I'm at right now. I have had a business for the last seven years, but I haven't grown it in the way that I imagined that I would. And I have aspirations of, um, you know, of being someone who is influential and, you know, successful and whatever, but I am actively not doing the things I need to do in order to be that person. And I'm just sitting with the fact that my habits are not the habits of someone who is that person that I have wanted to be, or that I think I should be. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at because there's so low risk with a stranger like that yeah. or a random kind of like maybe just one-off acquaintance it's sort of like wow damn that's an interesting story like gosh I wonder what's holding you back like that's intriguing <laughs> yeah. you know because like they don't have any answer they're like not no like context oh, or anything around it. Like, you just had a baby or like but you've been helping so many people Kara and you know this is this is a hard time the whole world has had a hard time you know and um you're tired and you know it's, they don't have any of those answers for you yeah. So 
they could actually at a coffee shop or whatever like bartender i mean i don't care what's the movie what's the movie where the bartender is the is the robot he's a robot and he just asks questions do you know this movie i'm talking about oh. they go they wake up out of cryo sleep in space we got to oh, google wow. this movie now it's jennifer lawrence and i don't know this at all Oh my gosh, it's a great, it's a super interesting movie. It's kind of like a mind bender. They wake up out of cryo sleep, but they're the only two of their whole team. They weren't designed to wake up yet. They wake up and they, the point that's applicable to this story is they move into, they, they walk into a bar that's set up and there's like an AI robot that's the bartender. And he answers their questions like in a super straightforward way because he has no investment in them. Yeah. and it kind of calls out the the usual social conventions that people respond to the truth with. So if you were to actually speak the truth about how what you doing, yeah. what would you get back? Um, strangers can often be depended on yeah. to be better inquiry partners for you than your most, most, most trusted person. Um, I don't know. It's worth experimenting with. Yeah. Um, I have experimented with it and I have learned some very interesting things. I have had some very difficult internal moments when I tell the truth to a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> your hairdresser getting your hair done. Well, how's it going? Well, passengers, the Matter movie's called fact, Passengers. Yeah. And, and without sounding like a, com like you're complaining, like you're whinging. Yeah. It's just um, a real. That's, that's difficult. Yes. So Amazing. tell the truth about yourself in a way that does not allow anyone else to be responsible for the situation or dilemma that you find yourself in, that you have set up for yourself. I have set myself up in many ways, some unconscious, some conscious to be doing what I'm doing right now, to be the person that I am right now and to be about what, what I, what? what I'm about. Yeah. What I'm actually about. What is true. It's a very arresting um, experiment. If anybody is willing to try it, send me yeah. a DM and, 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 <laughs> and I'll be all good. I'd be like, ah, oh, F you lady. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I was, um, I said to you, I was in Barcelona at Logan's yeah. thing recently. Oh my gosh. I'm and so he, excited you had that opportunity. Yeah. Oh, so good. It was so hard, but it was so good. Oh. But yeah. he, he essentially did that exercise with us. And he made us sit for like 10 minutes in silence. He's like, write down all the shit, like why you're not doing it. He's like, be honest. And he goes, after we did it, he's like, that wasn't the shit. He's like, you didn't write it down. He's like, and you won't write it down the next time. He's like, you yeah. got to do it five, 10, 15 times. Yes. And then you'll do it. And it's funny because I've been doing it. It's so hard. And I feel like I'm, that was... When was that Barcelona? A month ago, I, almost exactly a month ago. Yes. And I've done it every week since. And I feel like now I'm starting to almost get to the point of nearly kind of being honest with myself. <laughs> well, and everything mm. in you is protecting you. Yeah. It's like an arm's length going, don't do that. Right. No way. Because when you realize this, it feels like you're splitting yourself 
you know, it feels like there's two of you all of a sudden, like this one wants it, but this one actively doesn't. Yeah. And now they're at war. And that's very difficult. It's very uncomfortable um, to see both, you know, both of those things as me and yeah. to hold both of them responsible is, um, is very difficult. It is, there's so much more ease with projecting the blame out and, and distributing the responsibility out. And just doing what you're already doing. Yep. And you just will not grow or improve if you continue to protect yourself from that dilemma. Yeah. Rather right. than creating it for yourself. Yeah. Not many people will create it for you. Now, the practices we talked about earlier, like once that becomes a culture, people start to be able to call out your inconsistencies or your, your unintegratedness. Um, and the best people actually to do this are children. Um, yeah, cause they're brutal. Brutal. You said that you were going to go for a run, but you haven't done it. Are you, are you doing that or are you not doing that? It's like, Oh, you know, I want to be like, Hey, it's not your place to call. I have reasons why I didn't do what I said. One's going to, and that's nobody's hurt by the fact that I didn't do the run. I said, I, I know, but okay. All of that noise, 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 noise. Yes. You're right. I said, I was going to do that. And I didn't do it. It was a decision. I made yeah. it. It's yeah. not, it's and, and it's that ownership of damn. Yes. You're doing it again, Carl. You're doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, <you>. Yes. <laughs> Let's divert a little bit. Uh, okay. Who inspires you? Who keeps you, fuck yeah, I want to do more of that, or keeps you going every day, or like bigger picture? Is there anyone famous? Is there anyone close to you? Who really gets you going? Well, I'm pausing not because I don't have any, but because I have several. Um. Someone who inspires me who's on a large scale is um, Jack Butcher of Visualize Value. Oh, Are you he's familiar amazing. with Amazing. I love Jack. Yes. Every time I do anything, log on, see a post, I get my butt kicked, I get something turned on. Um, so that's in a one picture I, and five words. That one I probably share with many others. Um, but it's but my thing that I admire most about him is his ability to just pitch it into the world, just pitch, 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 just the reps of putting things out. Um, and that is one of my Achilles heels is to wait to release anything or wait to do anything. So, um, so there's an inspiration, um, there, um, then on a more, partnership professional partnership note i have a colleague uh named david young who started as a he's in the uk he started as an uh hr like business partner in uh bt bp uh and british petroleum um and knew that he was sort of made to do something more um left that role as an internal, you know, more corporate kind of marketplace person um, and started to go out on his own advising leaders and being an inquiry partner for people. Um, and, and 
try to couple like business ventures or to network a few people. And, um, and while he's a very successful coach and consultant, um, those endeavors, like very quickly, it became clear that they weren't quite the right thing. And he finally figured out that actually what he wanted to do was speak right into a leader's internal voice and thought way outside the box, partnered with a technology company and recorded his own coaching voice and, um, and layered it with something called binaural beats. Yes. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, what I really need to work, that's what I have in my earphones. Okay. So it sounds, you've experienced it, then it sounds like white noise or something, yeah. but it's really beats that like connect the hemispheres of your brain. And so he partnered with this technology company called Hemisync and um, they didn't have any meditative recordings or voiceovers around work situations. They have a lot of them about aspirational things or calm or anxiety or those kinds of things, but things like performance reviews and a difficult person at work and like those kind of things. Um, short part of this story is he developed an app with them. He put it out on the market. There are six recordings of his voice. They're incredible. My clients love them. And I think he just went for it. It was so creative. He didn't let anything slow him. He made big attempts, pulled back quick, made another attempt, pulled back quick, made a big attempt. And like, this one feels so like him, like his heartbeat. Um, anyways, if you want, if you're interested in those apps, I think they're very powerful. Um, the app is DPY associates and it's through Hemisync, but the app is just super straightforward. It's DPY is like the the app icon and then you click on it and it's just six buttons it's six topics wow. and i mean he's going to expand them now because it's been popular and had good response but i i admire him so much he's been through like jungian analysis himself he has has boiled all of the voices and all of the noise in his own leader journey and his own journey as a, a human and boiled it all the way down to how do I sort of listen to the quietest voice that will lead me and hold me steady? And so it's equal parts a spiritual, you know, my admiration of yeah. the journey that he's put himself through um, and professional admiration for making that what he is about. There is no question what he's about and he is about it every day. Yeah. Um, I have so much admiration. There's people like that are the best people. Like the second reason oh. you give for him now, the people you see and you talk to. My yes. Jill, my partner said this about you after our last podcast. Oh. She listened to it and she was like, I was like, what, what was, whenever people listen to the podcast, I always say, what did you take from it? And she yeah. goes, she fucking loves her job. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, yeah. yeah. That is totally. And you, you just get people like that. Like, um, Logan's like that. Carl Powell's yes. like that. 100%. And there's a, a few guys that I train in the gym and yes. they're about that. And it's like, they just, yeah. they figured it out. Yes. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going two feet, hands by my side and I'm diving in. Yes. And yeah, those people oh get gosh. you. Ooh. Okay. So my third answer, which oh. sounds like it's 
shtick, but it is not. And hopefully Jill as my witness <laughs> would vouch for this. And that is that I love my clients. I admire them so much because they are in the messy middle in the wrestling match of what will happen. And it feels like every time we talk, everything's at stake. Yeah. Like they can either just go the road, like they're already a high performer. They're already like doing what they should be doing or what everyone would expect them to do even more probably. But they face these challenges of like, do I really want to be about something else? Or do I really want to be this person? And if so, what do I have to change? What do I have to face? And that's not sweetness and that's not light. And it doesn't feel fast. It feels plodding and messy and thick and all of that. And I admire them so much. I get off the phone or the video or out of a room with them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this person, like I so deeply honor this person and what they're pursuing. I just, that like my emotion, you know, wells up when I think of them. So it's like their, their, their faces are kind of like flashing through my mind as I say this, but it's like, they are heroic, they are courageous and they impact their systems, um, with what they do and, um, not what they do, but who they become and how it translates into how they lead. Yes. That's a good one. That one makes my heart count. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) That's amazing. That's why you're good at what you do. Cara, I think that's a a deadly way to finish that off. I don't don't think I can can top that. (laughs) So um, if people want to find out more about you and if they wanted to work with you, where would they go? And I was going to say, what's your Instagram handle? But you haven't posted on there since January fucking last year or something silly like that. Okay, good. Well, that's strike me accountable all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Get back posting. That's true. That's true. Um, it's in the plan. It's in the works. Um, so the Instagram handle is developmental coach. And um, that is one of my favorite titles is developmental coach and inquiry partner. So inquiry partners is the name of my business. And the website for that is inquiryp.com. And, um, and so those two places you could read and experience a bit. Um, I am attempting to build more and um, open up access to this developmental perspective. Um, and so you can continue to hold me accountable to do that. But, um, but yes, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll wake up on Instagram and, <laughs> um, and get going to step a couple more steps into the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and uh, get the right partnerships in place to make that happen. So um, thank you for the encouragement and thank you for the um, opportunity to talk with you and share this and hear Thank you so much. I I really, really love your work. Um, I'm trying to think, I've listened to loads of the podcasts that you've been on. They're my two favorite ones. Okay. The We We Move podcast you did with Logan. Yes, that was here. That was in my office. That was was legit. So if people want to go find that, it's on Spotify. Um, and you did one with Pyro Athlete as well last year. Oh yes, I've done many with them, but the yeah. recent one, the it was, it was one I kind of kind of kicked their ass. Yeah, yeah, you tore into them. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes, those guys, those guys are gems. Yeah, Kara, thank you so much. How are you? Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs>